Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Welcome back to the Growth Factor broadcast, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. My name is Pastor John. I am the Connections Pastor here at St. Mark. And as always, I'm joined by our senior pastor, Dr. Philip L. Pointer Sr. And we are in the middle of a series that's part of our theme for this year, Dig Deeper. And that series is Make It Make Sense. And we are right in the middle of application and thinking about Christ-centered applications. We've already covered Christ in creation as we look at the Old Testament. Well, this episode, we're going to talk about Christ in the Exodus. Christ in the Exodus. You don't want to miss this one. So, Pete, we've already walked through ways in which we can find Christ in Genesis. Mm -hmm. And we really just scratch the surface with creation with Cause, creation because yeah. genesis 50 chapters christ is all over genesis yeah yeah <laughs> so hopefully you all use some of those tools we gave you for the creation account to be able to do that but we want to spend some time in this episode on finding christ in the exodus account um the exodus account is unique um in scripture and we're going to turn to it in just a moment here and just kind of look at some passages that really speak of Christ, even mm -hmm. though he is not, again, he doesn't, his name doesn't appear right. in the text, but he's all over, Absolutely. all over the text. Absolutely. And I want to be clear that when we speak of the Exodus account, there is a book mm -hmm. called Exodus, mm -hmm. and then there is Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Um, the story of the Exodus doesn't is not just in the book of Exodus. Right. <laughs> it 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 is in um, Leviticus. There are some narrative portions there. Although Leviticus is a, there are a lot of rules listed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then there numbers is also very very narrative, yeah. and much of Deuteronomy tells the story of the Exodus all the way through the death of Moses. Mm -hmm. You're still talking about the time of the Exodus, right. the the event, mm -hmm. not just the book. So when you're talking about finding Christ in the Exodus, talking about in the historical event of the Exodus, mm -hmm. all the way into Israel getting ready to possess the promised land after Moses passes away and uh, Joshua becomes the leader, uh, the judge of the people. Mm -hmm. uh, and so all of these incidents in the Exodus, which is an amazing yeah. study in, you know, you, you would you would you would have a, a major degree sociologically <laughs> anthropologically if you just did a, a study of the people <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but that's not our interest our right. our interest is we we're not studying the people we're identifying with them uh, because we like them need a deliverer mm -hmm. and need a savior mm -hmm. who will lead us to God's promise for our lives and that is where we see uh, the need for Jesus Christ in the entire account yeah and this is kind of full circle for us because we've talked about the big picture of scripture mm -hmm. and we want to make sure everybody is aware and knows. And we've been saying this all season long that scripture is really not about us no. and that ultimately it does point to Christ Jesus himself. 
So the question for us in the Old Testament, especially when he's not referenced, is, well, how? And how do I go about finding uh, Jesus in the text? Well, we're going to show you the how, but we want to remind you of the why. Like, why mm. is it important? Yeah. Well, because Jesus himself yeah. has said it on several occasions. First of all, how do we know mm. that it's talking about Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus says, that's talking about me. <laughs> That's, that's, that's exactly that's what he's talking says. about. Me. That's, <laughs> Last yeah. week we looked at John one yeah. and five. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to look at Luke twenty four, yeah. and we've looked at this before, but I want to look at it from kind of a different angle lens, and just to make sure that we reiterate the fact that Scripture is about Christ. Why? Because Jesus Himself, right, has said it. Right, has and, said it. And, and let me just quick caveat: we've got a lot of ground to cover, but I really want us to grasp that you know the people who claim. Oh, Jesus didn't say he's divine or Jesus didn't say he's this or that. Ignore these kinds of passages mm. where Jesus is explicit as to his significance yeah. Yeah. as the eternal God who became flesh, who is the only hope for our redemption. Mm. Jesus says it about himself and he's going to tell us that the whole of the old covenant yeah points to him he's going to say it himself mm-hmm. yeah so you have these two disciples who are walking along this road um and they are going to a village called emmaus so that's why we call it the emmaus road which is about seven miles from jerusalem mm-hmm. uh, jesus shows up and the text tells us that their eyes were kept mm-hmm. from recognizing him mm-hmm. um and then he asked them uh, what they were discussing along the road and he was like they were like, Wait, where you been? <laughs> Do you yeah. not know what happened? Yeah. And so he asked them, well, what things? Um, I'll pick up here in verse number 19. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped mm. that he was the one Oof. to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all of this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus used this seven mile journey to walk them through Moses and the prophets, which up to that point was the Torah and the prophets, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the Jewish folks believed, um, well, their scriptures included what's called the Tanakh, which is a, an abbreviation for uh, the Torah mm-hmm. and the writings and the prophets. Yes. They're the kind of the first two letters of each one of those. It translates into Tanakh. And he's, he took the Tanakh mm-hmm. and said every piece of, of this scripture from the the Torah to the writings to the prophets points to me. What are we, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Torah, the first five book, books of the Bible. 
the writings include the books of history, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, uh, all the way through uh, Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther. Mm-hmm. They also include the wisdom literature. Some include the prophets, mm-hmm. um, the wisdom literature in the prophets, and then the prophets, the five major prophets and 12 minor, the entirety of the Old Testament. Jesus takes them on a journey yep. through the whole of the Old Testament and says, that's me here, that's me there, that's me, that's also me, that's also me, that's also me, this is me, this is me, that's me, that's me, this is me, wow. this is me. All of that refers to, and now what we're going to see in this road to Emmaus is that they won't fully recognize him until he breaks bread. Yeah. But Jesus proves who mm. the Christ is and what the Christ had to suffer through mm. by using the entirety mm. of the old covenant, mm. the old Testament. Mm. We can't listen. There's so many details in this passage so that I really want to dig into and just mm. ruin the episode, but mm. by, by ju- only dealing with this passage, even though we got a long way to go. But I, there, one of the things that, that is amazing to me is the, is that we had hoped. Yeah. That, that phrase yeah. So they assess him. They 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 don't deny his his greatness, as it were, um, in verse nineteen, um, when Jesus says what things, and they say to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Mm. Now that he's dead, as they perceive him to be, they say, "Oh, he was a mighty prophet. I mean, he was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, mm. before God and all the people." Mm. And uh, and then they killed him. But man, we had hoped. <laughs> we had hoped. Mm. Um, mm. And Jesus like had hoped. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Open your Bible. Right, right, right. <laughs> Let me tell you that there is no reason mm. for you to ever say you had hoped. You're being nice because he said, Oh, foolish one. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> y'all, y'all fools. <laughs> what? Had hoped. Dude, are you serious? Is me. I'm me. Right. There is no mm. past tense mm. hope mm. <laughs> when it comes to Christ. Right. right. Um, mm. And and I, you know, we we get, we can get into a whole oh, lot so of, many phrases in there. Even yeah. the, the women when it said him, they did not see. Yeah, him, they did not see. <laughs> they, they 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 went. They didn't find his body. Right. But, you know, and and even though they didn't recognize him until they broke bread with him, we we found out later that even as he's unpacking the scripture, mm-hmm. they say. Did not our hearts burn? Something was happening. Like something's happening. Something was happening. Even if we don't recognize him yet. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what the word of God does. Yeah. Yeah. Like even if people don't know him in that way, there's a burning that happens. That's why we're so passionate about God's word, about uh, being able to preach and proclaim it, because it's 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 what does the work. And, and, and Pastor John I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That burning Mm. always happens when the gospel is proclaimed, Mm. but it happens to different people in different ways. Mm. In the same way, the Apostle Paul says, to one, the gospel is the stench of death, but to us, it's a sweet smelling aroma. That burning, the gospel always convicts the heart. Wow. Mm. It's just the it's the way we respond to it mm. that determines whether that burning is a warming, comforting mm. sensation of a being a being warmed by the fire and experiencing the light, or feeling like mm. there is something judgmental about it. 
This is why people can't stand the gospel. Nobody argues so vehemently against any other faith as they do against the biblical faith that says you must trust Christ in order to be redeemed. And then Luke invites us into the conversation. Yeah. He's very intentional about naming names in his Mm -hmm. passages, but there are two disciples, only one of them's named. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're the other disciple. Yeah. You're the one. And he's saying, what do these words do to your heart Mm. as you read them and as you understand them? Is it burning? Yeah. Or are you on the other side of that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He invites us in that conversation. So, so what we find in this text is that Jesus himself says, as he's beginning with Moses and the prophets, he's saying, I'm interpreting all the scripture and guess what? It's about me. Mm -hmm. Every jot and tittle is about me. It's about me. Now, as we move into the Exodus and think through what that means in terms of Christ's application, I want to talk a little bit historically about the African-American experience because Exodus and the Exodus account has a very um, great place in our hearts, a special place in our hearts as a people, because as we read these texts, um, you know, being a people group who were snatched from our country and Mm -hmm. became enslaved, uh, they were encouraging for us in a very special way because they, we saw ourselves yeah. in these stories. It, 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 it is the Exodus account is the way we know beyond a shadow of a doubt mm-hmm. that true biblical faith is not a white man's religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Historically, first of all, they did not want slaves to be converted, enslaved people to be converted, mm-hmm. because to f- for a person to be converted, you would then have to treat them as a brother or sister. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to have to do that, so they didn't want to be converted. Then, as first of all, not all enslaved people had to be converted. Some were brought over as Christians in the first place. Facts. In fact, there, there are letters and, and great work done by um, the Jude 3 Project and mm-hmm. Lisa Fields and others, uh, Vincent Bantu, uh, uh, in and around the idea that, that there were letters written yep. um, by Catholic priests and, and bishops um, to the Pope and to government saying, hey, they have Christians over there mm-hmm. that they are enslaving yep. and, and they shouldn't be enslaved. So there, th- those kinds of things happened. Uh, so, you know, they not all persons who came mm-hmm. um, to to the so-called new world mm-hmm. had to be converted to Christianity. Some came as Christians already from Western Africa. Yeah, they were already Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the Exodus account speaks of God being a God of liberation and freedom and liberty. And as as people are reading this or hearing it, mm-hmm. um, they began to to say, "Hey, yeah, that mm. that I identify with that God. That that's mm. my God right there. The one who wants me to be free. <laughs> yeah. That's my God." Yeah. Um, in the same way, those who were oppressive and those who intended for slavery to be a perpetual institution, mm. um, because of the economic benefit and because of just abject cruelty and and evil, um, they began to try then to manipulate right. Right. the 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 biblical text to make slaves docile and obedient based on, oh, be a good Christian slave. <laughs> right. But it didn't work. Mm-hmm. That's that. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, the gospel is inherently liberational mm-hmm. in a spiritual and social sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is inherently about equity. Mm-hmm. Our 
we are equal in terms of our need <laughs> for Christ. We're equal in terms of what Christ has done for us in Christ. Galatians says no slave, no free, no male, no free. It's all equitable. Mm. And, you know, we can get on this forever and ever. This is why they produced the slave Bible where exactly. they ripped out 80% of the scripture. They didn't yeah. want, they didn't give slaves a Bible and say, read this and be a good slave because this Bible don't make you a good slave. Not. You're not going to read this right and be mm. a good slave. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you're going to read this and you're going to say, God has set me free. Yeah. And I demand the full uh, experience of my God intended humanity. So in a very real sense, without the Exodus account, you have yourself an incomplete gospel. Absolutely. And these slaveholders were preaching an incomplete gospel. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why <laughs> <laughs> decades later, we're still dealing with uh, folks who have this incomplete idea of what the gospel looks like without mm -hmm. having any social implications yeah. in terms of the gospel message. So what we saw was the slaves clung to this message mm -hmm. once they got it. Yeah. Um, many of them said no to Paul because yeah. the slaveholders were using that as kind of a sword to say, hey, you need to obey your masters without understanding the proper context. Right. And so they said yes to Exodus yes. because it resonated in their souls. All through our songs and spirituals. Every one of them. In through the birthing of gospel music, mm -hmm. all the way through that. Um, even the blues yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a musical genre is identifying with the Exodus experience. Mm. Um, mm. It, it, it all, it all worked its way out in mm. God. I need you to set me free yeah. or God. I'm expecting you to set me free or one day God will set me free. And that, that motif is a part of the history of our, for parents and ancestors in the land, and it is one we should cling to yeah. even now for those uh, who are um, African descendants of slaves. Mm. Per furthermore, let me let me go to the other end of this and say that identifying with the Exodus does not mean I have to identify as true Israelite that's, or Hebrew. That's the that's it. <laughs> that's not that literally came in the late 19th century where again in the in the in the process of wanting to experience full liberation not just freedom from the institution of slavery but also freedom from its effects a, a desire for for the um, impact of reconstruction to be lasting uh, which we know historically in our nation did, did not happen because of southern compromise and those kinds of things um, people began to identify as or oh, we are true Israel well y'all no not no <laughs> we have this stuff called DNA and the thing about it is because Christ is in this mm. it doesn't matter does not yeah if I am biologically true Israel yeah. because Christ makes me a part of the covenant mm -hmm. family mm through his death, burial, and resurrection. And that is the way I identified yeah. with so, Exodus. So there's a spiritual identity there as yes. opposed to some DNA. That supersedes yeah. and and is more lasting and eternal mm. than mm. the uh, 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 biological uh, <laughs> DNA or heritage. Mm. You know, Most yeah. of us are mutts of some kind, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, um, because of the nature of humankind and the and the and the way people intermarry and interrelate, and some 
oppressive practices of, of those who were slave owners. Most yeah. of us are months of some kind. Don't and ask have, about my ancestry. <laughs> you know, we, we have we have we have other stuff in us, but those who are normally considered black or African American in this country generally come from West Africa, mm-hmm. not from Israel. Yeah. And that's just that's a generalization, but it's a generalization that helps us to live historically and then trust my spiritual Christ more than my natural biology. That's good. That's what that's that we we need to get that in. Yeah. 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 So we were able to, as a people, find hope in mm-hmm. the Exodus. Uh, tonight, we want to just talk about ways in which you can find Christ mm-hmm. himself in the Exodus. And many of them did find Christ yes. in these accounts. Yes. So it's just amazing to me that they didn't have theological training. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the schools to go to, the seminaries to go to. But for some reason, when they read this text, the Spirit of God <laughs> illuminated these texts to them to say, this is Christ. And, and that's exactly what it is. Mm. It's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Absolutely. All, all scriptural understanding, even with all of the tools we can give and techniques and books, and I give you all the resources and software in the world, <laughs> but you're not going to understand this unless the Spirit of God Will is not. at work. And yet God can work through all those tools. Mm-hmm. But, but what we see in, in the heritage of, of the people of God as a whole, and specifically of of black people in America mm. is that the spirit of God showed them Christ in these passages. And we probably need to say this, but th- it ain't spooky either. Mm-mm. He ain't going to give you something that nobody never no. ever in history no. ever don't, don't, seen. Don't misunderstand. Yeah, don't misunderstand. <laughs> <laughs> the spirit told me that no, the, he didn't. The, the, the left boot on Moses, right foot was God. No, that's not what we're talking no, about. That's not what we're talking <laughs> no. about. That's not what we talk about. But let's look at this uh, account in Exodus three as Moses finds himself um, encountering uh, the burning bush. And we've mm-hmm. talked about this in a previous episode, but we want to, we want to focus on Christ centered piece on this piece. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, verse number one, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the West side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Mm-hmm. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to talk about this bush. Yeah. Because there's <clears throat> certain characteristics of this bush that are interesting in the passage and implicitly tell you something about God, the nature of God, and Christ himself. Yes. So what we find in this bush is a fire that burns. And the text tells us that the fire does not consume the bush. Now, in ancient Near East culture, fire is a sign of judgment. Judgment. So when fire shows up, you're going to find judgment. And here in this text, the bush here, the Hebrew word for bush is actually a thorn bush. It's a specific type of bush that is a thorn bush. So what Moses sees here, he sees this thorn bush in the desert 
that is being burned, it looks like it's experiencing judgment, mm -hmm. but the text tells us that it's not consumed. Yeah. That it's not consumed here. Yeah. That, so, you know, you, <clears throat> our tradition, the tradition I grew up in, <clears throat> fire, we use it positively. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the misunderstandings of scripture is like, we, we like to talk about fire shut up in my bones. It's like fire <laughs> shut up in my bones. But that's, that, w that didn't feel good to Jeremiah. Mm. <laughs> it was, he, he did not want to do God's will, but there was a, an internal um, um, fire. This, it, it, it's more than passion. It's more than, mm. it, it's not excitement. It's not the ain't he all right kind of fire. <laughs> It's, you know, this is going to consume me mm. if I don't. Mm. Um, we see fire on the, uh, this is a whole nother, I'm getting ahead of ourselves, on the altars of Exodus, the fire, whenever something's burnt up, it's judgment. It's representing judgment. Um, when John says that the one who comes after, John the Baptist says the one who comes after me will baptize with the Holy Ghost mm. and with fire, that fire, Holy Ghost is for those who believe, the fire is for those who don't. Mm. That's not, you're not baptizing Holy Ghost and fire. <laughs> I know I just uh -oh, messed up. Oh, Pentecostals. I, I know, I know, man. And it sound good and it feel good, but it ain't theologically right. It ain't biblically right. It's not, <laughs> you must have that fire and Holy Ghost. No, nah, I mean, that's, I love that song, but that ain't, that ain't what John meant. He meant, John the Baptist meant, you either get baptized in the Holy mm -hmm. Ghost or you will be baptized in fire. Mm -hmm. Because judgment is real and judgment is right and it's mm -hmm. righteous. Um, God's judgment is always just and holy and good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people, oh, how could a, a loving God, do, but he's a just God. Mm -hmm. That's how. Mm -hmm. um, so that when you see that fire and then you see this thorn bush, you know, you realize that thorns are not a part of the original yeah. intent of creation. They are a result of humankind's disobedience to God in Genesis 3, part of the um, temporal punishment that reminds humankind, mankind, humankind of its rebellion and the response of creation to that rebellion mm -hmm. is that there will be thorns. Yep. And so thorns are evidence of rebellion. Mm -hmm. It's the fruit of rebellion, so to speak. Yeah. The God, God didn't make thorns in the first place thorns mm. came about when humankind rebelled mm. so mm. it's 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 creation saying you're out of order mm. that's what that's what a thorn is creation saying you're out of order and so this thorn bush is symbolic of humankind's rebellion and sin and you see fire and judgment and humankind and sin and mm. okay so good so then it'll be burned up but then no that's something that doesn't happen <laughs> yeah. that he expects to happen yeah. because he's like, okay, the bush is being burned by fire. Yeah. You expect for it to be burned. Mm -hmm. And the text tells us that it was not consumed. And, 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 and John, this is one of the things that is, that is implied in the text that we, you got to use context clues and, and comprehension mm -hmm. skills to, to gather. This is not, Moses doesn't see this bush and then, then go take off his shoes. <laughs> He's watching this for a minute because mm -hmm. things don't burn up that fast, generally speaking. And yeah. So and he's got to be watching like, 
Oh man, it's bushing on fire over there. By the way, burning a burning bush was not uncommon. It happens is hot, arid. Yeah, it happens in yeah, that culture. It was, it was desert, mm-hmm. and so he had seen bushes burn before. He had mm-hmm. seen f- bushes on fire. It's not the burning bush. <laughs> is that the bush wouldn't burn. <laughs> it would not be consumed. It wouldn't stop burning. Mm. And this is where he starts getting some, like, what in the world is mm. going on? So he, mm. you know, he's chilling with the sheep on the bush and fire on there. Let me keep the sheep away. And mm. Y'all stay over here. And then he looks again. That's still burning? Mm. He, okay, I get mm. Maybe it's slow. No, it's still burning. <laughs> he said, let me go see what's going on over there. Right, right, right. And, and, and it's God getting mm. his attention. Mm. Mm. So many areas to apply personally. God, you know, is persistent in getting our attention and purpose calls to us in strange ways, all of those things. But but what we really want to get to is is wh- where is Jesus in this? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what we're looking towards. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like Jesus. In where this? is Jesus in this text? You see this burning bush and God tells him this voice mm-hmm. comes from bush. Mm hmm. And tells him where he's standing is yeah. holy ground. Totally. Take your shoes off. And take your shoes off. So let's look at Hebrews uh, chapter 12 mm-hmm. because I think this is going to help us yes. uh, understand what is happening here. And we're going to look at verse number 29. Okay, so uh, this is the writer of Hebrews um, talking about this kingdom that cannot be shaken. Mm -hmm. And he says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. (laughs) (laughs) And thus let us offer to God (laughs) acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And he says, verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. So Hebrews is kind of a book that lays out this new this New Testament approach to the tabernacle and how it is laid out into mm. the sacrificial system and Jesus now being the new great high priest and as the sacrifices were consumed by fire. Yeah. He's saying here that God himself is a consuming fire. That's God. But there's a underlying question from Exodus. If God is a consuming fire, why is it that this bush has the bush not burned is not burned that that's the question that you probably need this, to be asking this this thorny bush that that is representative of human rebellion mm. why is that not being burned mm. Mm. because genesis tells us and you mentioned this as he's talking to adam after the fall he says cursed is the ground mm-hmm. and it's going to produce thorns thorns yeah. So this curse is in place at this time. It's producing thorns. Yeah. The bush here is consumed. You would think that the curse would be judged. Yeah. And consumed. Yeah. But it's not. It's not. But it's not. And so what we find is that 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 thorny bush from which the voice of God is projected is actually a picture of Christ himself. It's Jesus. It's it's a it's a Old Testament manifestation mm. picture of one who will have thorns, mm. have to deal with fire, yes, sir. but not be consumed. Yes, sir. That's what it is. That, that's what we find. We find in Matthew twenty seven when 
the soldiers mm-hmm. not knowing what they're doing. They put this crown of thorns and thistles. Yeah. These cursed items. Yeah. On the savior of the world who takes on our curse. Yeah. Takes on this curse. His body is perfect savior. And judgment. Yes. Is brought down upon him. The fire of God is brought down upon him on the cross. Yeah. Let's look at uh Let's get Galatians three. Yeah, I think it's important to, to to look at that text just so we can see what what that means in the theological understanding of that that curse, right? So Galatians three thirteen. Here's what it says: Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Yeah. So Paul is saying that Christ himself became the curse yeah. so that we might be redeemed through the cross. It's 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 here's the here's the here's the the most significant thing you can see about this burning bush. You see curse, you see judgment, but then you see survival or mm. or life. Mm. Curse, judgment, and yet life. Mm. There should be death, but instead there's life. It is a picture of the cross. And this is what is so marvelous to Moses. Mm. That in in this very strange picture, this confusing scene where there's curse, there's judgment, but somehow there's still life. That is what the cross is. (laughs) It is it is the it is the cross of Jesus Christ that is Mm. a picture of the curse that he becomes for us. He he does not sin, but he takes on sin. That fire is fire on the cross. He endures the fullness of the wrath of God in its totality hmm. for sin. All of God's wrath is poured out on Jesus Christ. The fire is fire, fire. Hmm. But because he's God and the son of God, even when the physical body dies as a necessary part of the redemptive process he is not consumed Mm -hmm. by that fire. He rises again uh, and ensures that we have life. And that context is the context out of which God calls us Mm -hmm. the same way God calls Moses. Mm -hmm. Out of that, God is saying to you, come here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Come here. The interesting thing is that after the cross, after the judgment of God bears down on Christ himself. Uh, we talked about fire earlier, but the next time fire shows up, mm-hmm. it's different. Yeah, it's not the same fire. It's not the same. Yeah. yeah. When you look in the book of Acts and they're gathered one accord, it says that the spirit of God fell on the people of God and it was like fire. Yeah, cloven tongues of fire. And... They weren't consumed. They weren't consumed. They were empowered. 
Yeah. By that fire. Yeah. It was yeah. powered by that fire. Hmm. Uh, hmm. That, that, that picture in Acts chapter 2 of these tongues of fire, and it's interesting because generally when you think of cloven tongues, it's an amazing right. picture. You think of cloven <laughs> tongues, you think that is like a snake. Snake or a serpent. Serpent tongue, mm-hmm. and it's a liar, people who say one thing and mean another. But this was about a duality of language. Mm-hmm. The reason it's cloven is to say they would be speaking a language that they had not learned, and it's a physical language in Acts. It's, a, it's an earthly language in Acts. Um, that fire is an empowering fire. Yeah. But when you see the results of that fire, you still see the convicting work that the gospel brings about yeah. in Acts chapter 2 that mm. says that, that Peter preaches and they say men, they heard this and they were pricked in their hearts mm. and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So either way, fire still burns. <laughs> it burns. <laughs> yeah, great, great, the greatest, the best fire, the best fire. But then fire, fire is a fire is about judgment. But mm-hmm. scripture also speaks about fire in terms of empowerment mm-hmm. and then purification. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The the picture of fire in 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 Paul's writing to uh, Timothy, who's having a hard time in ministry and becomes timid, is stir up the gift, literally fan the flames. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that empowerment mm-hmm. and and purifying work that fire does uh, mm. in the life of, of believers. It, 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 is, it is a, the context helps us to understand the intent. Mm-hmm. And when we look at it in Exodus, we're seeing Christ receiving the judgment of God and yet still being able to bring forth life. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding is that God isn't in the text just defying nature just because he can. <laughs> yeah. It is yeah. actually a proclamation of the gospel yeah. in this burning bush yeah. that Moses, even himself at the time, as you talked about with Peter writing, they didn't know what they were writing. No. <laughs> didn't understand it. Yeah. yeah. And we don't have time to talk about the gospel and miracles, mm. but every miracle is a picture of the gospel and of Christ in Old and New Testament. Mm. Um, so people who said, we should be seeing more miracles. Well, you should be preaching more gospel. I'm, I'm, See, I'm sorry, John. Now you get getting off. I'm going on my tangents. In trouble. I'm going on my tangents. I'm going on my tangents again. So, so that's what we find in the burning bush, right? Mm-hmm. So that burning bush certainly demonstrates Christ and us seeing Christ in that text. And that's not the only place in Exodus where we find Christ show up. And and, and I want to before we leave that, I, I, I do want to add this one more piece that's critical. This is God in this bush. Um, this is what we call a, and some who've hung out with us before, yeah. you know, we've used the term theophany, T-H-E-O-P-H-A-N-Y. Theophany, it's an Old Testament physical manifestation mm-hmm. of the presence of God. And I am of the belief that every Old Testament physical manifestation of God is a Christophany, mm-hmm. which is an Old Testament physical manifestation of Jesus Christ. Moses doesn't have a vision here. Yeah. This is a real bush mm-hmm. and this is real fire. And I believe that's the real Jesus. Like this is Jesus showing up. Yeah, this is actually Jesus. And the voice you hear is the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm, That's good. Yeah. Yeah, So that in that phrase, theophany is God and the face. The face. I'm actually seeing God show up. Which is why he puts it. He takes his shoes off (laughs) and then he puts his face down and say, I can't. I don't even want to. I don't want to see the face of God Mm, here. mm. Yeah. I don't want to see the face of God. Yeah. That's good. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Exodus 12. 
uh, as we move a little bit further in Exodus. And this is as the people of God prepared to be delivered supernaturally um, out of the bondage of Egypt. Pastor John, let me interrupt to say, I'm just going to shout on this one, like (laughs) full blown fall out the chair. I should we should have brought the organ and the musicians in for this one. The whole organ. It it, it yeah, we need the organ and drums <laughs> and a keyboard and tambourines for this one. For me. I'm just talking about me, church. I'm just talking about my testimony. Well, you know, we were talking before the episode and I'm I might get there too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> might get there get too. This, this could go left. Yeah. Okay, so so let's look at uh, Exodus chapter twelve as um, Passover here is instituted, and the people of God are told to do something really interesting in this text as they prepare to leave. Um, I'm going to just read it, and then we can kind of unpack it a little bit historically from the context. Okay, I'll start with verse one. I want to go all the way up to verse one. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, "This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you." Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat. You shall make your own count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats Mm -hmm. and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. (laughs) Don't start already. I'm I'm holding myself. (laughs) Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the house in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat. I got to read nine. Mm-hmm. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it, its head with its legs and its inner parts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's, let's talk about this Passover feast and this Passover lamb. Um, first of all, what people need to know historically is that the Passover is different from many of the other feasts in Israel. Yes. When you look at the other feast, you're going to find that the priests themselves are the ones who are preparing the sacrifices and making the yeah. sacrifices. Yeah. Here in this text, as we just read in chapter 12, they are asking the head of the households, every house, to grab their lamb mm-hmm. and to sacrifice their lamb themselves as head of household. So the priest are not involved in this process. No, other than being the head of their own household. Yes. The so let's back up, Pastor John. Israel has been enslaved yeah. for four hundred years and it's time to go. Yep. And you're not that's not that's an understatement. Yeah, it's time to go. <laughs> and God God has called Moses in from that burning bush, say, You go tell Pharaoh this, mm. I'm gonna give you power Moses reluctant mm-hmm. and says I don't want to go he says man I'm all right here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna give you Aaron your brother y'all he'll he'll speak for you I got you they go we got nine plagues um as God demonstrates God's power over Egypt Pharaoh Pharaoh believed he was divine 
Mm-hmm. Egypt believed they were the world power in perpetuity. We we the best and ain't can't nobody ever beat us. And God's like, no, I'm bigger, stronger. I got it. These plagues all reveal the power of God over a particular Egyptian deity. God, yeah. And then we're coming now to this 10th plague. Mm-hmm. The plague serve two purposes. One, uh, so that Egypt is convicted mm-hmm. and, and sees the weakness of its nation and its gods. Um, and then also to build Israel's faith mm-hmm. as they prepare to leave and go into a land that God is going to give them to what was supposed to happen <laughs> is they were supposed to be reverential mm-hmm. and grateful. Mm-hmm. If you we're going to read Exodus further and find out that ain't what happens. <laughs> um, so now we're at this 10th plague. We're ready to go. This 10th plague is firstborn. The death angel is coming through the land and of every animal and person, mm-hmm. firstborns are going to die. Well, we're going to see in Scripture that this is. That itself <laughs> yeah. is pointing to Jesus. <laughs> yep. the, that the, that the, the firstborn being gods the first belongs to god including firstborns and god chooses in this case to take firstborns by death Hmm. that's all pointing to jesus who is god's own son firstborn we spoke about it in our last um um, lesson firstborn of all creation the primary preeminent Hmm. in creation must be sacrificed so but but i'm on i'm gonna spare yours I'm going to spare yours, and here's what we're going to do. It's time to go. I, have I said that already? It's <laughs> time, time to go. To go. <laughs> but before you go, sit down and have a meal. Mm-hmm. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you, in this meal, substitute. That's it. The lamb for your firstborn. That's what Passover is. Passover is killing the lamb instead of the firstborn. Yeah. Now every household experienced death. Mm. Everyone yeah. in Egypt that night. Every household experienced death. The question was was it a lamb or the firstborn? Or was it the firstborn? And you could not depend on your ethnic identity. That didn't matter. Or your identity with the community. It didn't matter if you were an Israelite. It mattered is what mattered was was there a substitute. Or your membership at a church. That doesn't matter. Didn't matter. Or or how much you tithe. That doesn't matter. Was there a substitute? And the way I know Mm. I don't have to kill because something has already been killed. I want some evidence. Mm. Show me something has already died. So when you kill it, take some blood and put it on the doorpost. Yeah. yeah. So that when I come to that house, because death is a requirement, mm. I know something already died I, here. I know the substitution has happened. Substitution has already happened. <laughs> that's, that's, pass, that's, that's Passover. And here is the significance of mm. it. It's so meaningful to God. Mm. to give you the opportunity for substitution that God says, I want y'all to remember this every year. Don't you ever forget. And the Jewish people have not. Don't you ever forget. Throughout their entire history. Wow. Don't you ever forget Mm. that Mm. I required death, but I let you have a substitute instead. Mm. Mm. That's 
Passover. And he's saying for this one, you cannot depend on the priest. No. No. I need you to do this in your house. This is not religious. This is relational. Hmm. Hmm. This is with this is this is in your household. And oh Pastor John, there's so much in this Passover. Um the 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 Passover's intensity, the intensity of this moment required um and honesty, because it couldn't just be any substitute. Can't, no. There were qualifications for the substitute. Had to be a lamb, mm. had to be a male, had to be a year old, and had to be without blemish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no limp, no, no limping lambs. <laughs> <laughs> no spotty lambs, mm. you know, no, mm. no, no lambs with, with, you know, with, 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 a, with a, 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 any kind of defect. Mm got to be perfect because I'm, it needs to be important enough to cover your household yeah 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 wow. and it's it's, it's got to have hmm. it's it's got to be the lamb you want to keep in order to be the lamb you should give hmm. Hmm. this <laughs> this passover i'm trying to hold my peace this passover thing is big yeah it's not just okay get a lamb kill it and let's go sit down and have dinner no no this no. this is we're also living in an agrarian society. Mm. We're living where cash is not king. Flocks are your wealth. Mm. Mm. So you are giving up something very valuable. Mm. You have the opportunity to do that to keep something mm. that should be invaluable, yeah. which is your progeny, your, 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 your life, really, really your legacy. It the crazy part about it is there's a time sensitivity. Yes. That is attached to this. Absolutely. Like, I don't need y'all to waste time mm -mm. in mm -mm. getting this sacrifice in your household. We we didn't we didn't we didn't even read the the later portions yep. which speak about yeah. eat this with your shoes on, yep. with your staff in your hand. On the go. With your <laughs> this is fast food. This is driving down the highway <laughs> with the Chick-fil-A yeah. and you trying to dip it in the sauce on the side because mm. we got to move. And it's even, the, go. even the way you cook it, don't boil that thing. Don't you boil it. Take too long. Mm -mm. I need you to put fire to it. Fire. That fire shows <laughs> that up again. fire shows up again. Fire shows up again. And, and once you put the fire to it, yeah. that, that's going to expedite yes. you being able to sacrifice yeah. this lamb. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's it's it is it's to be, it's to be. Mm. This is special. Mm. This is special. Mm. Um. Mm. So, where's Jesus? Where is he in this text? Where's Jesus? Well, I, we, one more thing before we get. I want to go back to 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 the. This, this is remarkable to me. Verse two, this month <laughs> shall be for you mm -hmm. the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Mm. I don't want you to count based on the stars yeah. and the sun and the planets. Like spiritually, this where it starts. Mm. The day of your liberation starts the day of your life. 
this is, I'll spoil it. This is what Jesus meant when he said you must be born again. That's it. Yeah. That, that your life doesn't start till you get this liberation. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? So, show so, me, show so, me Jesus. So show where me Jesus. is Jesus in this text? Uh, Paul talks about this in first Corinthians. Let's take a look at first oh, Corinthians yeah. as he unpacks where Christ himself is here in this text. Cause I, I so hope that y'all y'all starting to, to feel that thing as we talked about the sacrifice there. But Paul's going to help us to um, bring that point home here in first Corinthians five. And he's really talking about sexual immorality here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And has this, now we can't, we gonna talk about leaven at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we gonna we gonna get the bread. Not not tonight. We gonna get not, to the bread not tonight. But, but we are not talking about the bread here in this text. But what he says here in First uh, Corinthians five, verse number seven, uh, he says this. Uh, well, I'm gonna read six. Mm-hmm. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? <clears throat> Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Yeah. Paul takes this Jewish idea and concept of the Passover and he resonates with the words of John the Baptist when he sees his cousin yeah. walking down the road and he says, behold, the lamb of God. Right who takes away the sins of the world. He says, this is the true Passover here. Mm-hmm. So everything that we just talked about yeah. in Exodus 12 points, points straight to the ultimate Passover lamb. Yeah. And John, Exodus 12 says something really strange mm. about this. Really strange. When you talk, we talk about these qualifications for the lamb. Yep. Male, year old, without Without blemish. blemish. Yep. But wait, 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 wait. It's, it's a, it's a, it can be a sheep or, or it can be a goat. Mm. Now, the whole of scripture, God's people are sheep. Lord is my shepherd. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Yeah. Um, the term bishop, meaning overseer, is for pastor, mm-hmm. is the sheep. Benediction to to, to the great shepherd yep. of the sheep. Sheep everywhere. Shepherds sheep, everywhere. She, sheep. Jesus uses goats in an illustration and says he's going to put <laughs> sheep on his right side and goats on his left. Yeah. Furthermore, mm. sheep are those who believe and obey. Goats are those who don't obey. Goats so are going to eternal so negative connotations yeah, all around. Goats are bad. Goats mm. are bad. Mm. Go to the Holy Land. I tell a story all the time. I met a man named Father of Challenge was his name. That's his I, name. That's his name. I cannot that's remember how name. you say it in the in the in the in the Aramaic. The Father of Challenge told us I, he was a shepherd. We sit down having a meal. He says, "You know, I'm a shepherd." I said, "Man, so do you keep sheep or goats?" He says, "I won't. I don't do goats." Mm. Why? Goats are too unruly. Wow. You watch sheep walk. They walk. Naturally, in a straight line, they follow. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, goats. You never know what you're going to get. They just, you, it's, it's, it's too much work to herd goats. Mm. 
But why can this be a goat if it's the Passover lamb? Mm. Mm. It speaks to the dual nature of the cross. Yes, sir. Christ, who is the perfect lamb of God, mm. puts on goat skin, as it were. The one who knew no sin becomes sin for us so that our goatness <laughs> is put on his lambness so we can qualify as sheepness mm. Mm. in the kingdom. Mm. So even as they're taking these goats, they're like, they bad. Right. They don't understand that they, they're taking a goat because it's going to point to. I wish I had time to deal with the second level of this. Mm. Is there the spiritual level? John, there's also an economic level mm-hmm. because these people are enslaved. That's right. Sheep are more expensive they than goats. More. They cost more. Yeah. Yeah. Which shows me one divine sensitivity to their economic oppression. That's a whole nother conversation. But then also it speaks of the poverty of the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. being foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. I ain't got nowhere to lay. But some man has nowhere to lay. Yeah. His yeah. head. The, 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 <laughs> the explosion of truth in and around Christ in these few mm-hmm. simple statements about this lamb and this sacrifice, this substitute. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Paul says, let me, let me, let me make it clear, make it clear. Jesus is our Passover lamb mm. Mm. who was sacrificed for us. And then also being able to relate to the goat. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about the world religions yeah, and you know, I teach that class. Yeah. When you think about that, there's, there's only one where God himself mm. condescends and becomes mm-hmm. the goat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah. now is able to relate to us as goats. There's yeah. just personal knowledge that yeah. the writer of Hebrews says that he was tempted in every way that we were, that yeah. he understands every single thing that we've gone through, because as you said, he was able to put on our goatness yeah. and that there's no other religious faith that has a God who says that my humiliation yeah. is going to lead to your exaltation, your exaltation. And because I've been humiliated as a goat, mm-hmm. now I can welcome all of you into my kingdom yeah. as goats. And I don't care that goats are unruly Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I'm a shepherd that can handle. Yeah, I can handle. I can, I can, I can change your nature. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And we're going to, we got to go, but it's amazing that the thing Jesus does before he becomes our Passover lamb is he uses the Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. He, he, he connects the testaments in in that Passover celebration with his disciples mm. um, to say that Exodus that brought us here this is only as far as it can bring us mm. as a picture mm. now I'm going to give you the substance what the shadow was 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 reflecting I'm going to give you the substance of it what the with the preview <laughs> was foretelling. Now I'm going to give you the full unfolding of the mystery of God. Wow. And while they put blood on doorposts. Yeah. You're not going to partake yeah. of my blood. Yeah. And it's going to become part of your body. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to, let's end in Matthew 26, John. I want, I do want to get this to us <clears throat> because now we've done at St. Mark, 
couple of times, and I think we replayed it in COVID, Monday, Thursday, where we took the elements of the Passover, but we do not hold Passover as a feast for us annually as a part of of um of our expression as gentile believers or non-jewish believers mm. um and there's a specific reason for that mm. and i want us to i want us to to look at it let's read uh 26 matthew 26 we're going to look at verses 26 through 30 now as there was they were eating jesus took bread and after blessing it broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. (laughs) The... Jesus has done Passover with his disciples in the Matthew text in verses 17 through 25. Yep. He did the, he did it then. This is not Passover. Yeah. This is the Lord's supper. Yep. It's communion. Passover was a commemoration of what happened for natural Israel. Hmm. It points to Jesus. Communion is a commemoration for all of humanity. Yep. That remembers Jesus. Mm. We know it's different. We know these are two different things because Passover begins with wine yep. and moves to the bread. Jesus starts with the bread and moves to the wine. It's actually a, a he makes them do a Gentile yep. ritual called the fellowship meal where he says, when we do this, we're no longer enemies and we can no longer go to war. Mm. With you. I'm making peace mm. between you and God and peace among one another through the breaking of my body and the shedding of my blood. And so when we look at this Passover lamb in as a preview, as a picture, as a as a as a arrow pointing to Christ, mm-hmm. we rejoice in what they to this day and rightfully they continue that feast and that celebration in the Jewish community. And it is a very warming and enriching and um, um, edifying experience to mm. participate in it. Mm. But we have another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We 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 celebrate the substance, mm. not merely the shadow. Mm. We sep- we we celebrate the the real, mm. uh, not the preview. Wow. And that's what the Lord's Supper is, and why it should be so significant mm. for us mm. beyond the the roasted lamb on the table, we have the risen lamb of God. Mm. Uh, mm. And that's what communion does in our lives. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Growth Factor podcast, where we helped you to understand how to find Christ in the book of Exodus and specifically in the burning bush and the lamb. Next go round, we're going to talk about bread. Yeah. So we're going to make you hungry and help you grow in Jesus. So you don't want to miss that episode. Why don't you do me a favor and go over to our Grow Factor page on Facebook. Follow that page. uh, Subscribe to that page. We have an amazing campus pastor and Pastor Chris who shepherds that group and is growing every single day. We'd love for you to to join that group. We also would love for you to follow our podcast on all major podcasting platforms. We appreciate you all for following us this season. 
And we're going to continue next time talking about Christ in the Old Testament and specifically in the bread of Exodus. This has been The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group, The Growth Factor, for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening. Thank you.